He did not have a backyard chicken for Thanksgiving. So the mom went out, wrung the neck. Is that how she takes care of it? Okay, also fun story. One year for Christmas, my mom said, Hey, can somebody get me a hatchet? Because what I'm using is not getting the job done on one swing. Boy, party at her house. <laughs> party at mom's house. Hatchet word, hatchet, hatchet up the animals. Think she still got the same one I got her like five years ago. Oh, did you buy her a new hatchet? I'm the one that got her the hatchet. Okay. The other one wasn't working. Right. Is this well? She's not complaining, so this one's working. Apparently. Out on the farm. Yeah, she had some pigs butchered too recently. So she's got the Christmas meal. Yeah, we actually, when we went in the summer, I, I met the pigs. We pet the pigs, and now they're, they're food. Both? They say a pig's uh, smarter than a dog. Probably. And tastier. <laughs> uh, she, I don't know which ones, because she had two different types of pigs, and I can't, one's pot belly, the other ones, I can't remember what, uh, what they're called. But, like, she had four pigs in one area, and then, like, a mother and, like, ten baby pigs in another one. So I don't think it was the baby pigs. I think it was the four pigs. Uh, that let you pet them. They'd like roll over on their side and let you pet them like a dog. And now they're dinner. And now they're dinner. Yeah. Boy, your mom's something. <laughs> no question about it. The first bite. Can the Raiders make the playoffs? Can they? Sure. I put it up as a poll with three <laughs> options. Yes, no, and playoffs. Yeah, playoffs. Uh, can they? Yes. Bigger question is, will they make the playoffs? And with some of these percentages down here that people predict this stuff at this point, doesn't appear they're big believers in the fact that they can win three straight and catch some other people. So 538 gives the Raiders a 5% chance of making the playoffs right now. Football Outsiders gives the Raiders a 2.8% chance of making the playoffs. The problem for the Raiders is that they have to catch. So the, the teams that are in the final two playoff spots are the Dolphins and the Chargers, and they're both eight and six. So they have to catch one of those teams. Those two teams are two games ahead, and there's three games to play. So you're running out of time there. But not only do you have to catch them, you also have to jump ahead of the Patriots and the Jets, who are both a game ahead of the Raiders. Now, they beat the Patriots, so they have the tiebreakers. They just have to get tied with the Patriots. And you have to hold off the Browns, Steelers, and Jags, who are all six and eight as well. So there's there's so many teams that are in that mix mm -hmm. that the Raiders have to either catch, pass, or hold off that it just is yeah. it seems kind of difficult that they would be able to pull off yeah. all of those things. Uh so that's why it's five percent. That's why it's a two point eight percent chance for football outsiders. The interesting thing to me though is uh, 538 will let you go on there and sort of like, hey, what happens if if this team wins this game and this team loses this game or whatever? If the Raiders were to win out and not knowing the other results, but if you just had the Raiders, they win all three of their games to get to 9-8, and eight, they, are, they do have a 54% chance of making the playoffs in that situation. Now, obviously, what the other teams do will de determine that, but there is, hey, Raiders go get to 9-8, and eight, they've got a shot, and a big reason why they apparently will win a lot of tiebreakers. They'll win. Uh, they will lose a tiebreaker to the Tennessee Titans, but they will win almost any three or four team tiebreaker at nine and eight. With head to heads, 
Yeah, with when they get because if it's Divisional just wins. if it's just two teams tied, then you go head to head. After right. that, then it becomes the record amongst all those right. three teams. Divisional and if that's the same, that you keep stuff. moving down. Yes. And so they're in decent shape if they get to nine and eight with some of their tiebreakers. So it if they were to win their last three, they'd have a they'd have a shot here. But the bigger issue with the Raiders making the playoffs, I think, regardless of all the other uh, things they would need. They're not going three and zero to end the season. I mean, I don't think they are either. Uh, they start with uh, what did you say yesterday? What's the weather this week? Eleven degrees, yeah, something like that. <laughs> no, it doesn't appear to be snow, but still, it's eleven degrees. And we've talked about this in the past with Derek Carr. He he's had some good games, but for the most part, he hasn't been great in cold weather. Um, but I think more so, you made the point yesterday. The Niners and Chiefs, if they were completely done and their seeds were set. Then you could almost see, okay, who are they going to play? Are they going to give some backups time? Raiders would have more to play for. They'd be more motivated. But that's not going to be the case. Right. So these teams are going to come here with stuff to play with, and they're better than the Raiders. Right now, it is more likely the Raiders go 0-3 than 3-0. and Yeah. And 0-3, you know, obviously put you out of the playoffs. Fun fact, if the Raiders lose, they're, they're not guaranteed to be eliminated if they lose this weekend. Now, there are other there could be other results that do eliminate them. But they could lose and technically still be alive for the playoffs after this well, weekend, which would be they funny. could be if the if the Chargers and Dolphins both lose, right? Because yeah, it'd yeah. still be two for two, right? So they can technically make the playoffs at eight and nine as well, uh, but that is very, very, very unlikely right. that they would be able to get in at eight and nine. Uh, but they are still not out of it yet, which is fascinating given how bad so many games have been this season, how many bad losses they have. So far this season, but when, you know, Jacoby Myers is going to throw it to Chandler Jones across the field yes. to keep your playoff hopes alive, eh, you're good to go. So nine and eight. Uh, so let me ask you this from a team perspective. How hard should the Raiders be thinking about the playoffs? Like do you, if you're Josh McDaniels, are you walking in saying, boys, we still got a shot? Oh, yeah. Let's win out. Or are you just not even bringing it up because it's so no, I think you're moment. motivating with the fact that they're still in it. I think that's what you do if you're the head coach. We've talked about this in the past. Who really over there, you know, would prefer a draft pick comparative to making this kind of improbable run? And players, there's no question about it. They want to make the playoffs, and they don't really care who where they draft or who they get in the draft. Um, coach is interesting uh, because I think – that's what he would say to the players to motivate them. I don't know what behind the closed doors they're talking about in terms of the draft. Uh, but, yeah, I think you walk in and say, hey, still alive. Still have a chance. If you're a Raiders player and you're like, wait, we do? We're 6-8 and eight and we can still go to the playoffs? You you buying all into that? You're like, oh, yes, yeah, we're I think, in. I think players do. I think players absolutely buy into the fact until they're completely eliminated that their egos and their feelings about how good they think their team is uh, – Buy into that. I, I, I really do with the players. Coaches, GMs, sometimes, you know, you don't know really what's happening behind closed doors, what they're thinking or saying. But I think players are all in until they're eliminated. And then, you know, you don't know how they react. A big part of the uh, Monday night game with the Packers was the reporting that they believe they can win out because they're in the yeah, same Rogers situation. Said that. Yeah, they believe they can win out because they're they're like the, the Raiders. They could win out and still miss the playoffs. They could get to right. nine and eight. And still miss postseason. So, but that was, oh yeah, we can win out. We can do this. We can go to the postseason by winning our last four games. Yeah. And the Raiders are basically in that same spot. One other interesting part on the playoffs. 
The Colts are four, nine, and one. The Colts have not been eliminated from the postseason yet because the AFC South is not quite, but almost as bad as the NFC South. And here's here's what would need to happen. The Colts win out and they get to seven, nine, and one. That could win the South if the Titans lose all of their games and the Jags go one and two with that one win being over the Titans on the final and they day both finish seven and 10. of the season. That would give you an Indianapolis Colts team at seven, nine, and one, and the Jags and Titans at seven and 10. Raiders still the only team to beat Saturday? Excuse me, lose, to lose to, yes, to Saturday? They are. Lose to Saturday. They're still the only team. They Damn. are. Are they still the only team to lose to Baker Mayfield as a Ram? <laughs> they are. Uh, the So here's the Colts' schedule. Chargers, Giants, and Texans. And the Chargers have a lot to play for. You you need the classic, what the hell are the Chargers doing right. game, hey. which they did against the Texans last year. They're capable. Right. Uh, Giants, eh, they're okay, but it wouldn't be that crazy to see the Colts beat the Giants. <laughs> And then the Texans are just atrocious and the Colts should beat them anyway. So it's actually not crazy to think the Colts could win out, but here's the problem for the Colts uh, far-fetched playoff scenarios. Both the Jags and Titans would have to lose to the Houston Texans. Yes. I mean, I could see the Texans went the distance against my crappy chiefs defense. So I listen, are the Texans going to win one of those games? Maybe. They've looked better the last two weeks, but they need the Texans to win the next two games against the Titans and then against the Jags. And without that, the Colts are eliminated from the postseason. Do you think Jim Irsay hired Jeff Saturday to tank? Oh, no. I think he thought, with Jim Irsay weirdness, I think he thought he was going to come in and be great. I think Jim Irsay's offbeat a couple uh, couple strands well, there. He's he's no. definitely he's definitely off the meds. <laughs> I mean, I I think he really thought. And how about how about after the first game with the Raiders? He probably thought, man, I made an incredible. Decision. <laughs> I nailed this. I nailed this. I nailed this. <laughs> I'm higher. gonna check in in four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think, looking back now, it might be. I don't know if he did it on purpose, but it might be the absolute smartest hire for an interim head coach that he could have made. Just a hey. We are going to take a massive swing on a guy who's never coached above high school. And if it works, if this guy's good, you remove then, the interim. Then all of you can applaud me for taking this big, big risk and how great it was. Meanwhile, if he's a train wreck and our team sucks, we get a great draft picked out of it. I, looking back, I don't, I don't, I keep the interim right where it's supposed to be. Looking back, that might be the best thing he could have done. Like, instead of, hey, we're going to promote, who was on that? Is Gus Bradley on that staff? We're going to give Gus Bradley the interim, somebody who's been a head coach before and would probably keep him, you know, a little more even keel as far as the record goes. No, no, no. Bring the guy in from ESPN who lost in the Alabama State playoffs or something like that and let him coach. This might be great, or we might be picking third in the draft. Bring the guy down from the rafters (laughs) every time. It's, I mean, every, for some reason, every single coaching opening is, you know who we should hire? Former player who was good. <laughs> and Jim Irsay went, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's do that. Does he like Jeff Saturday enough to where no matter what happens here in the last three games, he's keeping him? Oh, that's, that is tough. If they, because here's the thing. Jeff Saturday has displayed 
very poor game management, like timeout situations, clock situations. He which he, shouldn't be a surprise. He blew it he against never did the it. Vikings too. Like there was the end of the fourth quarter, the Vikings punted in a tie game, and or excuse me, they were about to punt. And the clock was at 35 seconds, and Saturday didn't call a timeout until there were 22 seconds. Right, the and then he said afterwards, should have called the timeout. Yeah, like just let 20 seconds almost run off the clock. And then obviously they had the game where they had the ball and didn't call their right. timeout. So he's displayed, I don't know how to manage a clock or manage my timeouts. Uh, I would argue, if you like everything else about him, that is something you can actually learn or hire somebody to tell you when to call the I mean, timeout. It's like the guy who picks the challenge flag out of Andy Reid's pocket. <laughs> when they get in the two-minute You order. just literally, you <laughs> just hire a guy. And you, hey, should we take a timeout? Nah, the timeout guy already told me we're, we're going <laughs> to. Ref, ask him. Do you have to be sneaky to pull the flag out of Andy Reid's pocket? Or can you walk up to Andy and be like, I'm taking your challenge flag now? I mean, based on every time I've ever seen it, Andy has no clue. Like he's <laughs> looking at the Waffle House menu, and he is like looking at plays and talking in a headset. And this guy just like, and I'll take that. <laughs> Did you guys see? I think it was a Browns fan pretending to be a head coach who had a Denny's menu in his hand. Like he was, he he had like a fake headset on and like had a Denny's menu in his hand, pretending like that was his. There's play a Columbus sheet. in the stands. Area. Yes, yeah, there's great. a Columbus area Denny's that's like, what the hell happened to our menu? <laughs> That guy ordered a coffee and stole our menu? <laughs> what is he doing with the menu? All right, coming up next, the Golden Knights are back in action tonight, but do they have some genuine goalie problems? No. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. No. All right, Ed. The Golden Knights are at home. They are 1-4-0 at home in the month of December. The fun stat from yesterday, they've got fewer home runs than the Raiders do in the month of December. But tonight, they're at home, and they play the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, They're not going to lose this one, are they? No. They're going to be, what is it, 1-4? and 2-4. If they win tonight, 2-4-0. Hold on. I am, I am scrolling back. When is the last time... The Coyotes won a road game. This is a this is a fun game to play because I have not found one, and it has been. If you are a while. just li- if you're just tuning November in, Tyler 23rd. is googling. November twenty third is the last, last time the Coyotes win? won a road game. So, they played like nine or ten in that so they're stretch due. too. Uh, so it's been a month since the Coyotes won a road game. It's about it's been about a month since the since the Golden Knights won a home game. Yeah, too. exactly. They're not losing tonight, right? No, they're not losing tonight. Okay, all right. Goaltending wise, shootout. <laughs> they're good in shootouts. Goaltending wise, um, Aiden Hill gave up three goals on 18 shots in the last game for the Golden Knights. Uh, before that, Logan Thompson was in net. And the interesting part is after the last two games, Bruce Cassidy has called out his goaltending a little bit. Again, he hasn't really ripped them in post game press conference, he hasn't come out and said our goalies suck or anything like that. But in the last two press conferences, he has made some sort of comment about needing to get more saves or about needing to match the opponent. What he said about Aiden Hill in the last game, if you're going to get goaltending performances like that against you, you need to match it. So basically was saying, it's calling him out. Look at what the other goalie did. We need to match 40 something saves. I don't think, I don't even know how many shots uh, Aiden Hill faced, but it wasn't that many. No. So 
The goalies got off to an incredible start. That 13-2-0 start as a team, Hill and uh, Thompson were phenomenal. We all knew they weren't going to be that good the entire season because otherwise the Golden Knights would have the best goaltending duo in like league history if they were. They've fallen off a little bit. Do you think there's real concern here? Like, what do you make of Bruce Cassidy two games in a row being like, ah, we need better goaltending? I think there's a real concern. I do. I think he's, uh, like you said, he's not completely throwing them under the bus, but he's making a point that they need to be a lot better. And uh, we asked Ryan Wallace this about yesterday about Laurent Bressois, AHL Player of the Week. I think it's closer than we think. The, the issue's going to be, right? What do they do? Who, do they, who would they send down? So because one can't one can't go down in waivers and the other one would you ruin Logan Thompson's confidence as as Ryan was talking about. So right now, the Golden Knights because of injuries and everything, they have an open roster spot. So right now they could call up Brossois and carry and three. Just carry three. Now uh, we had Bruce Cassidy on before the season started, and we asked him about three goalies, and he basically said you can do it, but you don't want to do it for long. Right. Basically said that they could do that, but that's not a long-term solution. So eventually, you would either need A, somebody to get injured, which would solve the problem a. on its own, or B, you'd have B. to decide between Aiden Hill and Logan and Thompson. Logan Thompson and who you want to get, you know, demote or get rid of right. when, it comes, when it comes to Hill. And like you said, Aiden Hill's got to go through waivers, which means if you want to send Aiden Hill to the Silver Knights... Every other team in the league gets a chance to look at him and say, we will claim him. He is ours, and the Golden Knights get nothing. Right. However, Logan Thompson is waiver exempt, which means you can send him straight down to Henderson, and no other team gets a shot to claim him off of waivers. I do uh, not believe Laurent Brossois presents enough of an upgrade to do, do either, either of to those? Do either one. I don't believe he is... An, he is significantly better than Hill or Thompson to risk losing Aiden Hill or to do whatever would happen to Logan Thompson by sending him down to the silver Knights. Because the other part, Bruce Cassidy, the way he's talked about Logan Thompson, he wants this to be Logan Thompson's job. He wants Logan Thompson to be the number one. So if you're Thompson, you've sort of been, I assume operating under the mindset of like, well, I'm not truly like the number one guy, but that's what they want but from me. This is my job to right, lose. Right. And if I get sent down, What's Oh, I point? lost it. I lost the job. And then his confidence gets shot. So maybe Thompson responds well to that. I have no idea uh, if he would or not, but maybe it just completely ruins him. It's an interesting spot because here's the other part of this. Goalies are weird. I don't believe like to me, it's not like the goaltending has been, Atrocious. atrocious it just hasn't been like great like it's been pretty average goaltending the last m- month or so of the season so it's weird to me that it's like Cassidy continues to bring it up because I don't look at it and think oh the goalies that's the big problem I look at it and think well once they lost Robin Leonard this is kind of what we expected yeah. like no like there were hopes that Logan Thompson would be really good but it was kind of like Golden Knights are going to go into this year and if they can get average goaltending they get average goaltending but now Cassidy keeps bringing it up. It's it's just a weird spot to me because I don't I don't look at it and think the goaltending is this. I mean, it's just issue. specifically to motivate them. Maybe and he, and he and he's fine with both, and they wouldn't bring Brissot to give a third roster spot. He's Might just trying be. to motivate these guys a little. So let me ask you this: If you're doing the motivation by calling them out uh, in the media, because quick side note, Logan Thompson saw 
Uh, Logan Thompson retweeted multiple media members when he said, when Cassidy said, we need more saves from our goalie after Logan Thompson's game. So Logan Thompson saw it, absolutely saw it. My thought was, if you're going to call out Logan Thompson at all, and if that's some sort of supposed to be a motivational tactic, you should probably play him in the very next game. Like, they played Aiden Hill in the next game. Now, Thompson, I assume, is going to play tonight, so it's not like, you know, Logan Thompson doesn't play for no, a No, but month. that could do something to his confidence as well. Yeah. I mean, if you if you call him out in the next game, he's not even in the, he's not even on the ice. What is he thinking? So I'm I don't know. It's it's a weird spot to be because this feels like what the expectation was for the goalies, right? Like this is like at no point did we think the Golden Knights were gonna have tremendous goaltending this year, right? No. Like it was always okay, no. you're going on Aiden Hill, Laurent Brossois, and Logan Thompson. Thompson had some really good numbers in like twenty games or whatever last year, but it was always like, hey, are we going to have a uh, slightly above average goaltending, right? Or is it going to be below average goal? Whatever it is. But it was always like, hey, if the Golden Knights get average goaltending, that's kind of what we expect. And for Cassie to bring it up right now, it's it's a little bit weird to me. And I don't know if it's him being genuinely worried about it or if it's just like we're talking about him just saying, hey, uh, I need my goalies to play a little bit better. So let's see what we can do to probably, make that happen. Probably the latter. Probably the latter motivating them. Um, and here's the other thing. As Ryan said, let's see what Brassois continues to do. I mean, he's got back-to-back shutouts. If he was four or five shutouts in a row, then you're like, okay, <laughs> might need maybe to we him. need to look at these guys and it might be a conversation. Especially, wait, are the Silver Knights still bad? Like, obviously, they've got back-to-back shutouts, so they're not... You want me to text Brian McCormick? <laughs> I mean, what? They started, like, what? 1-10-0 or something yeah. like that? Like, Brassois went down there and they got, like, their first win of the season or something crazy like that. Like, they've been... It was... Uh, Jonas Ronberg, I think it was, got asked about playing for the Silver Knights and was like, well, we're not playing. We're not winning a lot down there, but everybody's playing well individually. <laughs> <laughs> like, they they were good. They were, the, they were the worst team in the league the last time I looked at the standings. They can't be now. Brossois got back-to-back shutouts. Guys, which, by the way, might be more impressive than an NHL shutout because... Yeah. Leading them to yeah. their third win of the season. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened. So you are if he does pull off a few more shutouts, you might need to look at it and say, what are we doing with Laurent Brossois? Because he is, I mean, here's the thing. Laurent Brossois is a NHL level goalie, right? He's not anything more than that, but he is an NHL level goalie. And if you truly thought you were getting bad goaltending, Brossois could conceivably fix that and give you average goaltending. But I tend to think they're getting average goaltending at the moment. They're eleven and sixteen. That's a hell of a winning streak. Yeah, they're in eighth place, eleven and sixteen. Eight, How many teams are there? Ten. I don't. Okay, <laughs> but the, what's weird is there's ten teams in the Pacific Division. There's eight in the Atlantic. Oh yeah, it's weird. Seven yes. in the North. Seven, seven, seven in the Central. Ten. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> weird. Like, it's very strange. You guys could probably balance this up really easy if you wanted to. No, nah, no, nah, it's strange. It's not ideal there. So maybe if Brassard rips off, you know three or four straight shutouts here, then maybe you do get forced your force your hand into calling him up. But as of now, I don't, I mean, here's, let me ask you this. You call up Laurent Brossois right now. Is anybody looking at the golden Knights saying, Whoa, they got much better. Uh, probably not. Well, no, not just because of the goaltending. Right. They've got other holes that they need to fill and do uh, some things with the them. team in the f- in first place has more losses than the team in second place, but they have, more overtime losses. This is this this sport is dumb. 
Loser point. Coming up next, John Von Tobel joins the show. Inbounds to Tyler, who swings it to Bam, flips it to Oladipo, swings it back around to Tyler. He catches left wing, three ball, splash. That's legit splash right there. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. These are all part of your body. <laughs> Joining us now is John Von Tobel. Uh, John, were you in the studio here last night? No. Okay, I won't blame you. It is freezing in this damn room, and I don't know who to blame, but I can't blame John. Well, I mean, can you change the temperature in there? It, like, uh, doesn't mean, work. I, I have it set to 85, and it is not getting warmer at all in here. Something's not working in that studio? That's shocking. It is. Yeah. It is. The, the, I mean, there's, there's a, a nice panel smell on the of wall. smoke. There's a panel on the wall, John, that uh, fell off earlier. That if is you breathe on it, it falls down. Yes, it is currently sort of propped back up on the wall. So be careful. We're the hoping falls it falls on, on Ari. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, all right, here's a basketball question for you. Uh, what do you make of the Knicks' eight-game winning streak? Does it actually mean anything, or is it just a, hey, they're playing well in December and doesn't mean much at all? I think it means something in the sense that, like, I thought before the season they'd kind of be like, you know, like a play-in, maybe fringe top six seed in the East, and they're kind of putting some weight behind that thought process, right? There were a lot of people who thought they'd be a little bit better this year, and when they got off to that little bit of a rocky start, it was actually kind of disappointing. You know, bench was supposed to be pretty good. Jalen Brunson was supposed to make them better, so... Are they going to be like a title contender? No. And are they going to be this good defensively? That's the other thing, right? Probably not. What's incredible is if you go back through the seven games before last night, opponents were shooting twenty nine or twenty seven percent from three against them, and twenty nine percent on wide open three point attempts, and that continued against Golden State. So that'll regress a little bit. Um, it, I think it just speaks to Tyler like they should be a play in team at the very least, and I think that's pretty much all you can put behind it. You know. I wanted to ask you, um, are we going to look back at Anthony Davis' career and say what could have been? You know, it seems, I, I feel like we might, Ed, like especially like with these, as you're like referencing, right, these injuries that are, yeah, you know, keeping them sidelined consistently. Like, I just, I feel like like it's almost every year, obviously, that we're waiting for the pin to drop. Like, you could play in so well, and the conversation was just like, all right, when's it going to happen? And then sure enough, here it is. Now, if he wins another title, which seems like a long shot with the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, maybe we're not going to as much. But I just think from, like, a, a routine dominance standpoint, right, and, like, what he could have been on a night-to-night basis and how regularly dominant he could be. I mean, you saw the stretch he was having when LeBron James was out. Yeah. I think you're probably looking back and at least thinking to some degree this dude's career, his numbers, how we view him could have been a lot different had he been just consistently healthy. Is he 30 yet? I don't think so. Let me double check. I, I don't think he is. I could be wrong. On he's that, 29. Are, you know, yeah, yeah, he turns 30 in March. Right so, yeah, he's, he's got like four or five more years to be the number two or something on a title team. So, I, I mean, maybe we look like you said the numbers we look back at. But if he wins a second title is like the number two or something, we'll probably look back pretty favorably on Anthony Davis. Oh, I think we would always look back favorably. I, I'm just more like I think the degree to which we viewed him as, right? Yeah. I think that's more what you're looking at. Like, you know, Shaq is viewed as, not to compare him for some Laker fans out there, but, you know, Shaq was viewed as a dude who was dominant on a night-to-night basis, you know, among some of the best big men or maybe the best big men we've ever seen. Anthony Davis had the potential to be that, given the numbers he's put up and how good he's played at times. It's just that with this, now it's more like, all right, win another title, you'll be viewed as, like, a really good player back in your career. You know what I mean? So would you not uh, think of any trades right now if you're them? I mean, I just don't think, you. what are you doing that's going to push you over the top, right? Like, like... I guess you can make the argument, Ed, that like in this Western Conference that all of a sudden looks like kind of weak, maybe that's what you're talking yourself into, right? If you're looking around and going, 
all right, well, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans are kind of falling apart. They're in the middle of a losing streak. The Grizzlies can't win a road game to save their lives. The Golden State Warriors don't seem to be fixing anything, and they're, you know, who knows what's happening with Steph Curry moving forward. The Suns are in a little bit of a tailspin now, so maybe you're talking yourself into, hey, we can get into this thing, let's make a trade, and let's see it. But at the end of the day, you know, if everything kind of evens out, right, and, you know, the Grizzlies are still one of the better teams we expect them to be, the Nuggets are still a very good offensive team, is what, like, what are we looking at, right? Like, is again, going back to the classic package of like Buddy Heald or whatever it's going to be, is that going to make the difference for you to become a championship team? And even then, is that going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics, the 76ers who are coming on strong? I just don't know if you're doing anything with that that would make it really worth it. So we'll see. And it's also been pointed out, I think it was Brian Windhorst, right? I think they do have the Lakers the second-round pick for Chicago this coming season, and Chicago's getting worse and worse, so that second-round pick's becoming more valuable, so maybe that helps you out. I, just, I don't know if there's a deal out there right now that pushes them over the top. Maybe I'm overreacting to a couple of plays, but uh, Jonas Valanciunas uh, made seven threes against the Bucks, and it felt like a lot of that was Zion drives, the Bucks overcommit to stopping the rim like they normally do, kick out three-pointer for Jonas Valanciunas. Is there an element of the Pelicans building a roster similarly to how the Bucks did with Giannis and, hey, we've got a guy who's great at getting to the rim, let's just get shooters out there and make it sort of a simple decision for the offense? Yeah, I think, and you're kind of seeing that. I think the one thing that the Pelicans are doing maybe a little bit better, and I shouldn't say better, I think more offensively centric, right? Because this is not, even though they're a top 10 team of defensive efficiency, you're starting to see the cracks, right? They're not going to be a good, as good a defensive team as Milwaukee. Because that's, I think, one of the key differences, right? Where Giannis does have quite a few shooters around him, but not to the degree like LeBron did back in the day. And all of them are much better defenders, right? Like you have Drew Holiday, you have Chris Middleton, you have other pieces, uh, Brooke Lopez that make you a legitimately defensive, a good defensive team. With New Orleans, what they're doing is you also got a bunch of shot creators around Zion Williamson, right? You have Brandon Ingram, you have C.J. McCollum, so you're not going to be as good defensively, but you do have a lot of other guys who can create their own offense, and so I think that's kind of the different path they're taking. It's similar to what you're talking about, but you have a bunch of guys who, when Zion does what you're talking about, not only do you have a big who can kind of stretch the floor, you have dudes who can attack closeouts like Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. You have guys who, when he's off the floor, can create offense and aren't overly dependent on his presence out there. So I, I would think it's kind of similar in that vein, but they're a little bit more offensively centric with the pieces that they have around. Are we holding our breath also on Zion, or how great it would it be if he just played the whole year? No, I think he's going to play the whole year. Like I, I think like Zion, it's kind of a not freak accident, Ed, but like I feel like it hasn't been to the degree of like what we've seen from Anthony Davis and right now at least, he has changed his body a little bit, right? Like, he's down in terms of his weight. He looks like he's a lot more slender and more bit like the physically built with his body. So it seems like he's going to be able to handle the explosiveness uh, that he's actually got with his athleticism. I think that, that I would say that I, maybe you're holding your breath just because what we know, but I would say that I think he's probably in the midst of a pretty strong season in terms of availability. I cannot remember the exact stat, but I saw somebody tweet out, I think it's since 2019 or 2020, that Luka Doncic has the same amount of technical fouls as Draymond Green. Uh, <laughs> should that be more of a narrative? Because that's a huge narrative with Draymond Green. Should that be more of a talking point with Luka? Well, I think it is. Like, for people who, like, like some media members or a lot of people who are really into the league, like, you can't really watch him, man, like, without, like, watching him complain about something. It's, it's one of the issues that actually was discussed in the offseason with Jason Kidd and the Dallas Mavericks, that he kind of needed to calm that down uh, a little bit because it's all he really was doing at a high degree. So I think like maybe in common circles, it should be, but you're right. Like if you were to put those two together, I don't think a lot of people would make that connection, 
But that really has been the case. And, you know, guys like Steve Cofield absolutely destroyed Raymond Green for the way that he complains and goes at refs. And yet, uh, nary a word about Luka Doncic. But I, I think it is a little bit of a bigger storyline. But it is kind of annoying to watch him play. Uh, Tyler asked us yesterday at the end of the show, it's interesting, yesterday in that when we found out the Suns went for $4 billion, if that's true, how much is someone paying for an expansion to come to Las Vegas? Dude, uh, right? <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be in the billions, I, I would assume. Like that's it is going to be nuts. And this is, and by the way, I would assume that a guy like LeBron James speaking out to the fact that he would like to be an owner over a team in Las Vegas probably drives that price up even more, does it not? I mean, it's an attractive market uh, in a good basketball town, so uh, it's going to be very expensive. For even, not even just Las Vegas, just any of these two expansion teams. You know, Mexico City has been bantied about as actually a really attractive site for. Uh, the NBA, and that's that's going to be a massive market for them because they actually seem that they're doing pretty strong out there with their G League team. So it's going to be expensive. All right, that's Be- not in China. Before we let you go, John, is Wally Zerbiak going after Tyrese Halliburton the weirdest beef of the season? I didn't see this. What did he say? Oh, it was he was on the Knicks post game show, and during the highlights, uh, Halliburton missed a shot at the end that could have given the Pacers, I don't know, tied the game or given the lead or yeah. something like that, and he was just like. That's not an all-star Tyrese Halliburton. No way he's making it over and listed like four Knicks players and just went in on how Tyrese Halliburton, and he kept going for like 45 seconds about how Tyrese Halliburton is not good enough to be an all-star. That's really weird. Um, that's really, really weird. Unless Tyrese Halliburton did something to him that we don't know about. Uh, by the way, and, and it's weird too because Tyrese Halliburton's among the contenders for most improved. Like, I think he's still leading the league in assists. He's been incredible this year. I think I don't know why you would go down that path unless he was just feeling it for some reason that he just really disliked Tyrese Halliburton from some weird old school mentality. I have no idea. That's, that's really odd. I'll find the clip and send it to you. But he's John Von Tobel. You can hear him over on VSIN and also right here on uh, ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield and Company. John, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, John. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. See you. So there is John Von Tobel. But yes, it was uh, Wally Zerbiak randomly yelling at Tyrese Halliburton, which is just the most bizarre. Like, I'm trying to imagine, like, uh, somebody on the Golden, like Darren Millard, just randomly ripping on some coyote tonight. Just like, that like guy's some, a bum. I mean, but like on. some 23-year-old coyote <laughs> who's like, hey, I just got here. Calm down. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. I look forward to it. Let's go, Darren. Let's re- light him up. So uh, when we come back, Carlos Correa changed teams at like 3 a.m. tonight. It was uh, interesting for me. Um, it was uh, my first time really going through like a very normal free agent process. And from the beginning... You know, to follow that up, speaking with Billy and the rest of the staff, Buck, um, you know, they all share that same vision and, you know, passion to, to do whatever's necessary to make this a, a championship caliber organization again. And really, that's what it, what it, what it came down to for me, uh, was wanting to be part of this vision moving forward. And obviously, this organization took a gigantic step forward last year. You know, they had a great season. Um, and uh, I think it's only going to continue in the, in, the, in the right direction. Like Billy said, one of the follow-up questions was obviously losing a few big pieces. Um, you know, how do you plan on filling those, those voids? And the answers were tremendous. And, you know, I took a leap of faith. And here we are a few weeks later, and I think uh, that leap of faith has paid off. And obviously the, the surrounding cast, the, 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 the players that this organization has brought in, um, are nothing short of incredible, and I cannot wait to be part of something um, amazing and, and hopefully be a small piece of, of making that vision that Billy and Steve and Alex 
have for this organization, which is to be a championship caliber ball club and hopefully win it all. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Did you know Carlos Correa is going to be a New York match? All right, I'm going to ask something. He failed his physical with the Giants. Well, okay, that's or he. There's something about his physical. Right. It, we, we don't, don't know. know. Failed it, just, it or they never said failed. They just they said, said a, they an found issue. something. There's an issue. Okay. And two seconds later, he's with the Mets. Does Steve Cohen not believe in physicals? <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> I mean, I believe he's he, he's. I've got the money. Whatever we we can rebuild him. So okay, Carlos Correa agreed to a 13 year contract with the San Francisco Giants yesterday was supposed to be his introductory press, press conference, conference yeah. with the Giants. About three hours before it was supposed to start, the Giants canceled the introductory press conference. A little bit later in the day, the AP reported that they canceled it because of something in his physical. He refused the physical? They didn't say what it was, didn't, didn't even use the words failed, just something in his physical caused them to postpone the introductory press conference 12 hours later in the middle of the night he signs a 12-year deal or agrees to a 12-year deal with the Mets I think that's a key here he has not actually it's not official that he signed with the Mets it's just been reported that he's agreed to now a 12-year deal with the New York Mets um so I actually don't have a good idea as to what happened here because I think it's possible that Carlos Correa got upset about something that was flagged in the physical, whatever the issue was in the right. physical. I think it's possible Correa said, well, you're worried about that? That's not a big deal. Why aren't we doing the introductory press conference today? And then said, told his agent, uh, who else wants to give me a long-term deal? Go find him. Ah, Steve Cohen does. Um, I think it's possible it's on Correa's end. I also guess I think it's possible it's on the Giants' end, that the Giants saw something in his physical and they said, they didn't like it. Yeah, 13 years, and we've got yeah. that on day one. Yeah. Did he show up chubby? <laughs> <laughs> so I I don't know what I think happened here. Like, I don't think, I don't have a good idea. Where did Sandoval play? The Giants. So And then the Red Sox for, like, half a season or something like that. So they've had to deal with a guy who couldn't get, keep, keep his weight under control. I in don't the past. believe Carlos Correa is fat. No. If uh, anything, it's Carlos Correa has had multiple uh, injuries, including a back injury at one point. And they looked at his back and were just like, "Oh, that's not going to hold yeah. up." He uh, at one point, what was it? Did he break a bone? He had some injury. One of his like longest term injuries came from getting a massage, or at least that's the story he I gave. Mean, Gave a back and got a back injury, and then it was a massage. That's not an injury, though, John. Could be. Occasionally, there was a happy ending. It's not an injury, though. Hey, it's not illegal. I do want to point out. I don't know what to say happened here. I I don't. Do you have a good idea or good guess as to which side this would have come from? I think. If I'd have to guess, it came from the Giants. They're the ones who gave him the physical. They're the ones who flagged it. I mean, they're they're the ones who came up with something. He didn't. He didn't flag anything. He probably thought he was perfect. If we well, okay, so yeah, the Giants flagged it, but which side wanted out? Did the, did the Giants want out of this because of what they saw, or did Correa want out because he said, "What the hell are you worried about that for?" Okay, I mis I, I misunderstood that. Then I would say it was Correa because I think he probably got upset at something like you said that he thought was no big deal and they thought was a big deal. 
don't know. There's also the possibility that Carlos Correa, in the week or so that it's been since he verbally agreed to sign with the Giants, had second thoughts, regretted it or something, was like, yeah. oh, are we going to win much yep. in San Francisco? Like, we got to be be better than the Dodgers or the Padres. And if not, we got to get a wild card spot and the Braves exist and the Mets exist and the Phillies exist. Like, you might have said, eh, are we going yeah. to the playoffs? I wonder if that's possible. And this was a, a an opening for him to back bolt out and go to the Mets, who, by the way, Jeff Passan tweeted this out. The Mets' current payroll is estimated to be around $384 million. Yep. The luxury tax payments will be $111 million. Their total payroll projects to be $495 million, which is $120 million more than the previous high in Major League Baseball. Yeah, Steve Cohen was asked about the tax today. What the heck's the difference, he said. If you're going to make the move, make the move. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to have an owner that's just like, yeah, I have the money. Why wouldn't I pay it? I can't. I can't figure out if the Mets are going to be awesome for a long time because Steve Cohen is just going to keep spending money and they're going to keep getting the best players, or if this is somehow going to fail spectacularly. Like, well, I they're... think the former is going to continue to happen. Whether or not he make they make the right decisions and and win is another matter, like you said. But I don't think he's going to stop paying for people because they're they're two best pitchers are Justin Verlander and Max, Max Scherzer. Scherzer. Those are two guys that might throw 20 innings this year and their season's over. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Blow entirely possible. Arms. Right. And those are their two highest paid and two best pitchers. They just gave Carlos Correa a 12-year deal, and he might have a medical problem. Again, we don't know what the hell happened with that physical in San Francisco, but there might they be an say issue. He's only, he's only 190 pounds. Yeah. Like, I don't know... I don't know. It seems like there is a chance that a lot of these blow up, but if Cohen's willing to keep throwing money at it, eh, there's no there's no salary cap. You can keep spending money. Oh, and by the way, one other detail. Correa's moving off a shortstop because they have um, Francisco Lindor. So Correa's moving to third base, which is, it's funny to me because Correa's probably the best defensive shortstop in the game. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? There? I mean, he must have known it when he signed the deal, yeah. though. Well, okay, here's the thing if you're if you're a player in Major League Baseball. If you play center field, shortstop, or catcher, those are the premium defensive positions. Right. And right teams middle. will pay more for, for a guys. shortstop who hits just as well as a first baseman yeah. because if you can play well defensively and hit, you're a massive asset. Yeah. But once you get the 12-year deal, it doesn't matter if you're that big of an asset at shortstop. You can play where he's got the 12-year deal. He doesn't need to prove his value again. He's He's got it. He's not going to need to prove it until he's 40 or whatever year that's going to be, in which case he'll be like a DH only because he's 40. So he's moving to third base, which uh, will probably be stupid because he's a best defensive shortstop in the game. Bryson Stott needs a new place to play. He, isn't he moving to second? Is he moving to second? I thought he was moving to second, second. Okay, but I'm not going to pretend short. I don't. Eh. Move Trey Turner to center. <laughs>